Hello, and welcome to ECNM On Air, a podcast series from ECNM Magazine that shares industry intelligence, insights, and opinions on all topics electrical. I'm Ellen Parson, editor in chief of ECNM, and I'm here today with four of our 30 under 30 ECNM All Stars to talk about how they've succeeded in the electrical industry at such a young age. Now in its fourth year, this recognition program honors a group of ECNM All-Stars each year, profiling young electrical professionals who've gone above and beyond the call of duty, especially demonstrating innovation, efficiency, and creativity while incorporating technology into their jobs. ECNM On Air is one of the many new benefits available to our members only portal, which offers exclusive member benefits and premium content that's hand selected by our editorial team. If you're interested in finding out more, you can register on our website, ecmweb.com, in the drop-down menu under premium content. And if you're listening on a podcast app, please check out our website for the links mentioned in this podcast. You can find it in the premium content area. Now I'm pleased to introduce our guests today, Ariana, Caitlin, Trey, and Nick. I'm gonna let them briefly introduce themselves. Then we'll start a discussion. Ariana, would you like to start? Yes, I'd love to start. Um, my name is Ariana Sadikov. I'm a safety coordinator for Sprig Electric, and we are based out of San Jose and San Francisco. Um, but we're all over the Bay Area, and we're branching out to different states as well. Um, we have a couple projects in Texas and in Nevada, so it's just very exciting or, or growth. I um, in the safety department. So I support 700 plus employees that are on the field and in the office and different reporting, administrative duties, um, OSHA 300 log, you name it, data entry, getting certifications out. That's pretty much, they go to me for that. Injury reportings, I also help out with that. So Caitlin? Hi, yeah, I'm Caitlin. Um, I am a second year apprentice with Peeper Electric out in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. My day-to-day tasks, you know, I'm given my tasks in the morning and then I go through and I execute them in a timely and professional manner. You know, I've done more intricate kind of work. Recently, I've been mounting transformers and wiring them up. And it's just nice to see that my bosses thought that I was good enough to be in here and that I proved myself time and time again. So it's been nice. Nick? Hi, I'm Nick Gallagher. I'm a project manager for Sunland Construction based out of Austin, Texas. I joined the company to help them launch a renewable energy division um, for wind, solar, battery storage and such. They're a uh, 47-year-old oil and gas company um, diversifying their portfolio and so part of what um, I do as part of the launch, um, help them write a you know, business plan, you know, designing a logo to business development, estimating, um, really acting as their subject matter expert for the renewables um, construction and renewables generation stage. And so I've uh, been helping them with their estimating and with some of the projects that they have worked on, assisting those site teams and educating them about uh, the expectations um, as far as uh, the differences between the two different industries. Trey? Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Trey Taylor. I am a commissioning engineer with Helix Electric. Um, we're based out of uh, San Diego, California, but I'm currently located in Baltimore, Maryland. I'm working right now on a uh, high-profile government job uh, and a little bit about my day-to-day roles. 
Uh, I support the commissioning activities uh, throughout the entire project. Uh, it's about $157 million electrical. Um, we've got four individual substations for this building, uh, as well as over 550 panel boards uh, that we commission throughout the entire building. So my day-to-day -day roles are constantly changing um, with the, the progression of the, of the building and, and the build-outs of all the gear. So uh, I came from uh, Fort Bliss, Texas before, helping close out uh, low voltage systems uh, and the punch list from there. So I'm happy to be out here in Baltimore uh, helping out with the commissioning team. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be uh, a part of this uh, top 30 under 30. Okay, so now that we know a little bit more about our guests, let's jump right in and get started. But first, I wanted to congratulate all of you on this honor and thank you for sharing your stories with us. We, every year we continue to get more and more nominations for this. For, so the fact that you were selected is, is a really big honor with a lot of different bosses and a lot of different coworkers, you know, took the time to really write up these nominations and put in lots and lots of um, nominations. So um, congratulations on that. It's a really big honor. Let's start with, I know you all probably don't feel that young, but as far as most of us in the industry go, you're very young uh, to us. So as a younger child or a growing up, let's say, did you always know you wanted to work in a STEM-related career or the electrical industry, or is that something that just kind of evolved? This is Nick. I'll go first on that one. Uh, I actually wanted to be a doctor going into college, kind of following my dad's footsteps. And um, first semester, uh, decided ultimately that that field really wasn't, um, for me, wasn't something I was truly passionate about. Um, but I was introduced to construction management through my roommate and very close friend, and he showed me what he was doing. Um, and through that program, um, I, uh, I got an internship working on a wind farm um, through my interest with the uh, in, uh, infrastructure construction and electrical construction through you know, low voltage, medium voltage, high voltage. I mean, all of it was... Uh, very interesting to me. So through that internship, um, it really just stuck with me and wanted to do um, infrastructure construction in general, which ultimately uh, my path has been through renewables. I've always enjoyed working with uh, my hands and throughout my entire life, I've been doing a lot of, you know, the, the repair work um, around the house and such um, with my dad and or by myself, and just the the way that the, the systems operate to distribute the electricity was always interesting to me, because you don't, you know, it, it's it's there in plain sight, but you really don't think about it, and you really don't see it, um, and so that always had something interesting in the back of my head. And then with the uh, the growth of the alternative generating methods that we have nowadays, um, you know, primarily through wind and solar, those were very interesting, and also saw um, substantial opportunity for career growth um, with that blooming industry. Trey, did you have some thoughts on that? You know, when, when I was a kid, um, I never thought I'd end up in construction. Um, I was always one to change their mind a hundred different times. And, you know, I always had a passion for, um, you know, working with my hands and being active and all that stuff. And I wanted to be a, a, a hockey coach for years. I played hockey growing up and I thought that was the best thing that was ever going to happen. Uh, then I thought maybe I wanted to join the FBI and the army. And then, you know, it changed. Um, 
I actually started going to school for business. Uh, and believe it or not, throughout high school and college, uh, I worked for my dad's company where he um, ran a fiber optic cable company. And I really got into the trenches, you know, starting digging, dig, uh, digging trenches and with a shovel and all that stuff and really getting dirty. And uh, I ended up finding a passion because I could see the work getting completed uh, and me having an impact on that work getting completed really was what transpired me to want to be in the construction industry because I could see my progress and my impact on the day-to-day -day progress of a project. You know, I still wasn't sure though, when I went to college, I changed my major three different times. And then I ended up in uh, studying applied physics and math. So by the time I was done with that, my, my concentration was in electromagnetism. And so I tied that all into like electrical engineering and the electrical work. And I ended up landing an internship with a uh, big electrical contractor. Mine was almost exactly like Trey's. Okay. Um, where I would get asked, my parents didn't like asking me that question because they thought, hey, the question, what do you want to be as a kid? They believed that it was dated. And that's kind of how I was raised to believe that too. But the question was still asked by teachers and peers. You know, what, what's, what are your plans? Well, I don't know. I'm like eight years old. What no. do I know? Every month it changes. I was crying once because I was like, oh, I need to, I can't miss this training of dance. I want to get into USC. I'm going to become a lawyer and all of that. And then I looked at how much law school costs. And that's one of the reasons why I'm in the trade. It, it's the same outcome. I wanted to help people. So that was my goal until I did further research of what I can do and how I can help also the Hispanic community, because I am bilingual, is translating that and bringing it on. And knowing that I have a lot of family also in the trade and seeing how they're affected, you know, with not knowing what to do, the procedures, if they are hurt on the job, I grew up seeing that. Mm -hmm. And that's what brought me to occupational health and safety is because I want to help a lot of people. Or, the, I, or I want to change the way they see things in a safety perspective is you don't have to prove anything to anyone about how much you can lift and what you can do. Do it properly and make sure you don't get hurt so that you can run with your children. You can, you know, jump and do jumping jacks at the age of 45 and you're not, you know, crumpling when you're at a certain age. You don't have to do that. So doing it safely and getting that message across, getting that training across, because I know a lot of people are embarrassed to say or raise their hand, hey, I need, uh, I need this translated for me. Instead, they're going through the training and they're not knowing what the trainer is saying. So they don't get the same information. Awesome. Anyone else have thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, so this is Caitlin. Um, for me, growing up, both my parents and my grandparent, my grandpa, they're both, or all of them are electricians. Oh, awesome. Uh, yeah, I was kind of raised around this kind of stuff my whole life. So mm -hmm. that really sparked an interest in it all. Uh, after high school, though, I did join the Marine Corps and I served four years as a diesel mechanic. So it was a little bit different of a career path to begin with. But when I got out and I finished my enlistment, I realized that I more enjoyed the mechanical aspect of all that more as a hobby. And 
I looked more into being an apprentice and being an electrician and everything. And that sounded like the greatest career path for myself, which is why I went about it. And now I'm here. That's fantastic. Let's go on to the next question. Um, I kind of wanted to talk about one of the main components of this nomination uh, process was the fact that young people tend to be able to use technology, uh, let's say, a little easier than the older generation. So as a younger person in this industry, have you uh, personally experienced any difficulty in working with the older generations uh, who may be set in their ways or not as receptive to change or technology? Have you found that that, number one, is that an issue? And number two, if it is, how have you kind of addressed that and solved that in, in trying to incorporate technology into some of the tasks and things you're trying to do if you meet some kind of resistance with your colleagues or even your supervisors? So I think um, I can answer this question because it, okay. it's something that I do handle on an everyday basis. Um, we get a lot of people um, coming back because everything is now, a, it's all on your phone. So um, it's through your device. And so we get a lot of, well, you know, I'm not used to this. It's normally paperwork. Paperwork gets lost. Um, so I feel like if you're in the workforce and you are working for anyone, whether it be your own company, you're gonna need to learn how to use technology. Um, so whether that be taking a class or you know YouTube and getting that resource, um, that would be extremely helpful for everyone within the company and yourself uh, for your personal growth. I know I spend about maybe two to three hours, maybe a day, um, going through the different types of um, documentations or where to find documentation on their device. Um, so you have all that information, you know, right with you all day, it's on your phone. Um, if you know how to work social media, I think you can learn how to um, fill out documents properly on an electronic device. So. If you're definitely in the workforce, that's something that's needed. And it's something that's just going to continue growing. We're never going to go back to that stack of paperwork and filing. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. Do you, have, do you have coworkers who are resistant to that? And if they are, how do you handle them? Do you um, have training for them or do you personally help them? Or how do you get some of these people who are resistant to it to conform? Yeah, so we definitely have um, LMS training for um, how to find things on your phone and how to get to it. I'm there also for support. Um, you can call, they, they can call me um, and I walk them through it. So that it takes a lot out of the day when you are doing that. In order for me to be a lot more productive, it would be easier for everyone to be on board and know how to use uh, a phone, a computer, yeah. Would you say it's mostly through mobile devices or is it computers or both? Um, um, when they're documenting things or having to report back to the office, is it done through phones mostly? Yeah, I mean, everyone is given a phone. So um, there's really like, you, you should know how to work the phone that's given to you, right? Uh, yeah. But yeah, I've had to battle both uh, computer and phone. So it just makes... If I'm training somebody, that makes me a lot more proficient in it. So I do, I do see it as a positive at the end of the day. Um, if you, if, and I'm there to help. So okay, great. 
Yeah. Has anyone else had any experiences with um, the technology? It might ne not necessarily be that, or it's how you're, um, you know, communicating with subcontractors or how you're uh, working on a job, how you're working with homeowners or clients. Um, anyone else have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I mean, I think uh, for technology, especially uh, us, you know, younger generation where we're almost brought up in technology of some sort, whether that's a phone, iPads, whatever, we're already at an advantage than the people that some of us are working with in our office that have been in the trade for 20, 30, even 40 plus years. And it's a, it's a blessing and a curse at the same time because you learn a lot without the iPad. You learn how to read the drawings on paper. You learn how to document um, certain, uh, maybe it's safety aspects on paper and, and write out your you know, methods of procedures if you're doing commissioning activities or startups uh, on paper. Um, but it's also time consuming. So that time that you're spending filling out paper, printing paper, tracking that paper, logging it wherever, you can do that all real quickly within your iPad or laptop or phone or whatever you, you know, utility you have. And specifically for, you know, myself in this job, I, I do work with a lot of older men and women that, that are just like, you know, like the paper copies. I mean, we, yeah. we give everyone who is a full-time employee a laptop. And I can tell you, I know off the top of my hand, three people in my office that I don't think have opened their laptop since they've been here. And, and sometimes it's, you can teach an old dog new tricks. Sometimes it's easier just to conform to their ways um, and helping them if, if that's what it takes to get the job done. But that's not to say that when we bring up, you know, people when they come through the apprenticeship program and the journeymen's and they, you know, they get to uh, a lead pro, you know, lead uh, position, we're giving iPads now to read the drawings, to do time cards, to do safety inspections, to do audits. And all that stuff, and and I think it's it's very helpful, uh, and it streamlines a whole lot of processes that you wouldn't be able to do with paper. Um, to the point where you know you can send and receive documents almost immediately between the field and the office personnel, or maybe it's across the country, depending on where your support is. So um, it, it can be cumbersome for the people that uh, need paper copies or that won't conform to the technology, but. You know, it's also got to be an understanding that they didn't grow up with it, where we had it in our face 24 hours a day, you know, seven days a week. But I definitely think technology is changing the way we not only operate uh, on a construction job site, but also how we uh, manage and, and build projects as well. Okay, great. Good thoughts. Let's go over kind of some philosophical things. Is there anything I was kind of interested in finding out? What's one thing that surprised you the most about working in the electrical industry? Does anybody have any thoughts on that? This is Nick. Um, honestly, one of the things that surprised me the most was the growth in the demand on the utilities side. Um, you know, obviously in the renewables industry, as much as it's growing, there will be a demand, but the pool that though that, that industry has to pull from is substantially smaller than what I expected. Um, you know, not necessarily, you can't necessarily pull, you know, someone that's used to doing, um, you know, low voltage installation in a commercial project and put them on a, uh, you know, on a wind farm, for example, and doing underground medium voltage installers, completely different skill set and how it requires 
teaching some of these personnel new skills to adapt to these projects. Uh, and then, of course, the opportunity for growth uh, with these companies, with all of the uh, the new projects that are coming up. You know, they, I didn't realize that there would be quite the similar or quite as many opportunities with a new business, especially like in the current position I'm in, helping an oil and gas company expand into renewables. Several companies out there doing that similar situation where there's a small pool to pull from. Um, that. You know, without without this kind of economic state or investment in that industry, I don't think that that growth would necessarily be there to the same extent. What about the like the training and experience you've had from school? Uh, compare that to the on the job training. Would you say obviously there's a lot you learn on the job, but uh, the school your training prepare you for the electrical industry, or would you say a lot of the skills and tasks that you're doing are just you have to learn them on the job? I would say you know, I got a degree in uh, construction science um, from Texas A&M, which is in you know, a lot of colleges will call it construction management. And that's the foundation for the pyramid, if you want to call it that. And that provides all of you know the, the, the process experience and understanding how the projects work and the expectations and um, a lot of the background information, but the project specific information and that kind of training that happens on the job. I would say that I learned just as much, if not more through internships during college than I did in college on separate topics. Now, there's, there's a certain hands-on applied experience that you can get through these internships or early in your career just from working on site that will um, help you build your pyramid through your career. So I kind of wanted, as younger generation, I wanted to kind of get out what types of things what factors were most important to you when you were choosing a career and an employer specifically? Um, I'm, I suspect that some of the things that maybe used to be important to people like me when you were starting out, like, you know, is just completely based on salary or compensation or whatever um, was your motivating factor. I'm just going to get a job. I'm going to go out there and, it, you know, it's, I'm going to try to get the highest salary or whatever it is. Um, I, I have a feeling that maybe some other things are more important now as things have changed through the years. So as, you know, an all-star, a young all-star, what would you say are some of the things that motivated you when you were looking for the position and things that you're looking for in the future as far as, um, you know, for them to retain you, your skills and your talents? Um, for me, uh, I think studying physics and math, not really having any electrical background or even construction management background, when I kind of, when I was thrown into an internship with Helix Electric, uh, my summer going into my junior year, it was really about the mentorship and, and the training that I could be provided in those short three to four months that I was there during the summer. I thought it, it's very important to not only feel welcomed, but to have an understanding um, and feel valuable that the company wants to invest in you whether that's uh, on the job training, whether that's uh, sitting in a classroom, classroom um, at the corporate office, learning uh, different techniques and, and things that maybe a project engineer or management is going through. But for me, it was really, they, they welcomed me and wanted me to the point where I did like three internships with them. So I kept coming back and forth with them and, and it felt good to be wanted. And, and as you mentioned, you know, 
you know, for other people, it's compensation, but I think for at least people my age, maybe it's different, you know, all over the place, but us as, as young individuals, uh, we like to have flexibility with work to whether that's traveling, whether that's family time, whether, you know, you've got different, you know, side hobbies that you enjoy. And I think that's important for everyone's mental health, not only when you work crazy, crazy hours and, and long weeks and all that stuff, that to just kind of get an escape from your job for a couple of days or wh whatever it needs to be. And I felt that was very important to me. And, and my company has honored that. And uh, especially with construction being a very demanding uh, industry, uh, people get burnt out easily. And that's when you see people leaving the industry or leaving companies or, or going back and forth just because, you know, they just simply cannot do that. So, uh, you know, everyone's wants and needs are different, but, you know, it's, it's important to feel valuable at the end of the day from your company more than anything. That's a great point. Anyone else have any thoughts about, you know, what are motivating factors for you and, you know, not only to take the job, but to stay there? Yeah, I would have to agree with Trey. I mean, he was right on it. Um, the flexibility is definitely something that brought me in. Um, I actually started off, how I got my foot in through the door with construction, I started off as a field admin and I worked my way up. So definitely having room for growth and having the resources is what kind of got me in with construction okay. and how I fell in love with it and the amount of support that I've received from the field, whether that be general foreman, foreman um, was great. I was studying occupational health and safety when I was just a field admin. And it was actually a general foreman that was convincing me like, hey, it's time for you to like move up. Let's, let's get you writing that letter and see what happens. He's like, the worst thing they can say is no. And of course the answer was yes. And I am where I am. Um, and it feels good when you get that support from the people that you will be supporting um, in the future and that trust you to keep their job site safe and their crew safe. So that's something very important to me is having the respect from the field, having those good relationships that I have and maintaining it. I don't want that stigma of safety professional going out and then saying, oh, it's a safety officer. Like, no, it's not the safety officer, safety professional that is here to help you and to have an understanding. I'm not, when I go out and I do inspections, I'm not trying to like get someone in trouble, which is yeah. normally the stigma behind it. And right. there still is a lot of people that have that culture of, you know, a safety professional going on. And safety professionals also um, create the stigma themselves when they go on to different job sites and they approach people in a way that's just very belittling. And I don't like that. I like to respect everyone, no matter what position they're in. And I wanna make sure they go home safe. At the end of the day, we all have our families. We all have our priorities apart from work. So with construction and what brought me into this industry was definitely the work-life balance and making sure I have time for the things that are important to me besides work. <laughs> okay, great. Would anyone else, um, is flexibility important to you or, or any other kind of factors? that maybe weren't typically looked at as a um, something that would you know, make you want to take or keep a job? 
So this is Nick and segueing off of what Trey and Ariana had to say, I would, I would say that company culture has a lot to do with when I go and look for a job and apply for a job. And that's not, you can look up the companies on uh, Glassdoor or other industry insight websites, um, but that really doesn't paint the whole picture. Uh, but I think the way that the companies present themselves if there are options for flexibility, you know, um, I mean, for the for the past year, there's certainly been challenges with that, where that's been a requirement. There, there may be instances where that could be a difference between obtaining an, um, you know, a, a potential um, new employee or having them turn down an offer um, over something where, if it's if it's a if it's a role that's not essential to be in the office, if they can work from home on Fridays, for example. That may make the difference, not necessarily for the time off, but they may have a personal commitment or um, having to balance things with um, with a spouse that can help that work life balance and having that opportunity that, you know, that that may take precedence over a, uh, you know, the highest wage, for example, or the most vacation time is having that flexibility, the learning opportunities to help advance your career being open to opportunities like um, Ariana was talking about um, advancing um, into, into her safety career and uh, being open to what your employees are looking for or want. You know, as a new hire, they may be hired as a, uh, as a, as a field engineer, or project engineer, but they may end up being better fit for an estimating role or pre-construction role and allowing them to have insight into those opportunities um, if they're feeling, you know, whether it be burnt out, disinterested, or just have um, a passion elsewhere. And then for me, I agree with uh, everyone on their flexibility from the companies and everything. And I also look for uh, what kind of skills I can get while working for that um, employer. Like for me, my company covers a lot of different kinds of construction. We do major and minor construction. We do industrial, healthcare, and so on. So it's nice knowing that I can also do something that's way different. Cause like right now I'm working in healthcare. So I do a lot of hospitals and everything, but if I wanted and I asked, I could go do big industrial work. And that, that to me is another big thing is I can broaden my range of skills and knowledge. Great. Okay. That's a good perspective. Um, so similarly, how, I don't think it's also a secret that maybe our industry has had a little trouble relating to younger people and kind of trying to bridge the hiring gap as far as getting people to come into this industry. So how do you, do you have any advice or any secrets that you think um, would help employers in our industry appeal to younger people? How, how can they appeal to the younger generation to get them to go into this field? I don't think that we should appeal just for the young generation. I think we should appeal to everybody. There's things that we can learn from the younger generation and of course the older generation. Um, it's great for our creative mind and getting a lot more ideas if we have access to both. And I think both are as capable of doing the job. So I, that, that's, that's a good point. As far as retraining, we've had some stories of, you know, people changing careers at, you know, midlife or, you know, because maybe they worked in hospitality or something with the pandemic, they're having to retrain. I know several people are becoming electricians. We're doing some articles on them. So that's a great point to make. It's not just the young people. It's just trying to recruit talented, good people into the field. Exactly. Um, yeah. And I think on, on top of that point is, you know, like Ariana said, it's not just the young people because 
like I mentioned earlier, people do get burnt out in this industry. And so people need to step away and whether they want to try out their own things or just completely get away from construction. Sometimes it's nice to uh, just get back and, and get, you know, someone who's been in the industry for 20 years back to learn, you know, or teach the new kids or the new, you know, whatever. But I also think there is a shortage and there is a gap um, between young and old um, because as for most people, maybe um, your parents kind of tell you, you're going to go to college and or high school, and then maybe you're going to do some maybe level of college, whether that's community college or a full university. And, and that's kind of what they get in their mindset early on. But I also think it's really important uh, from a, as we work in skilled trades uh, to advertise to people coming out of high school that just simply either can't financially go to college or just don't have any desire uh, to go to college and can start working in some type of trade. And that starts with going to career fairs. Uh, you know, Helix Electric is very big on going to career fairs for college level, also for the uh, Department of Labor. Um, we do that in various cities throughout the country to get people interested and to know that, you know, we want them and we want to help them get a job and we want to train them. And that's very important. And, and on top of that, it's a very male dominated industry that we have. Most of our recruiters are actually females uh, because we can target to a female group differently than if there was a, if there was a, a male dominated recruiting firm. So we do a lot of different things in terms of trying to get people and attract them to the construction but it's also, uh, you know, people want to do it as well because it is a demanding industry um, and, and you have to be willing to work. It is not a, you know, nine to five desk job or it's not a, you know, eight to four, you're working on Wall Street or whatever the case may be. It's physically demanding early mornings, late nights, even weekends. And, uh, you know, trying to instill that in someone early on in life when they don't have any idea what they want to do is probably the hardest thing. Um, and that's where you see the gap uh, with, you know, young people maybe not wanting to do it or, you know, maybe females saying it's a male dominant industry. I don't feel comfortable doing it. It's, there's a whole lot of reasons, but it starts with having the older generation welcoming the young guys, encouraging them, supporting them to do, you know, the work that is, um, you know, calling for. Also, um, what this COVID situation a lot of things are remote including school so I was a full-time student while working full-time and it's possible to get your bachelor's degree while being in trade and just knowing how to schedule your time and manage it is is very important so have any of you experienced any challenges uh there's no secret this this is a male-dominated industry and if so uh, what are they and and how have you overcome them yeah, I've had challenges a lot going on to different job sites. Um, there's a lot of times they assume that I don't know what I'm doing. And it's my first time. They assume that it's my first time on a job site. Mm -hmm. um, and so those assumptions sometimes really get to you. I think within the field, if you are a woman or a male, you need thick skin. When I come off, and I am assertive, I do get, people do complain saying that I am aggressive. No, I am not aggressive in any way. And I would hate to be seen that way. And I really 
try to speak in a way where I am not being aggressive purposely because right. I know the stigma of, you know, a, a woman being in the industry, she needs to be nice, sweet as a peach. I am, but at the same time, I also want to come off assertive and knowing what I'm doing because even though you have years in the industry, it doesn't mean you're doing your job right or you were doing it correctly for all of those years. So that's my job is to make sure that you are now doing the job right because there wasn't an incident doesn't mean one will not occur. And my job is to minimize the injuries and minimize the risk on the job site. I'm sure that's challenging, especially being in the safety field because if you know you're always looked upon as oh here 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 comes the enforcer here comes the inspector Correct. you know and, and so that's like a double uh, challenge that you probably have to face so I'm sure yeah that- that's what I want to change in the culture of safety is that we are approachable and mm-hmm. that you can come to us for questions and I will never give you the wrong answer that's one thing I have learned from my coworkers and my boss is do not give the wrong answer, especially in the safety profession, um, because they will stick to that answer and that is gold. They'll take it with them running, right? So I back up, give myself a minute. If I don't know it right away, I will come back and I will give you a call and let you know the right answer. And then I think for me, for uh, women in the industry, I think it's sometimes, it can get a little difficult just because for me, I do bounce job site to job site. I don't stay places for long. You know, you get a job, you get on it, it's over and go to the next place. Um, you kind of constantly have to prove yourself because they're like, oh, it's just another lady. You know, she can't lift heavy or she doesn't know what she's doing. So it is what it is, but I, it's just kind of like a constant proving struggle that you have to go through. And uh, eventually, people will catch on and they'll know that, you know, you're good at what you do because word gets around and everything, especially if you like for my company, I'm in a smaller branch. There's only like 30 of us, I think. So everyone knows who I am. They know I'm a great worker and everything, but in the beginning it's rough. And I think that's something that most women do face, whether you are in the field or you have more of an office job or whatever. And I think that men can also help along with that by kind of breaking down stereotypes like that when it does come to women, whether it's when they are talking to a woman or even if they're talking with other guys and, you know, one of the guys starts saying something, they interject themselves and they just shut it down there. I think that's something that'll really help. Well, I can definitely tell um, just from talking to you for um, why your coworkers and your bosses uh, nominated you for this. You guys are fantastic. All of your input has been wonderful. I just kind of wanted to end with one thought and maybe since, um, you know, there was such a big pool of nominees for this. This is really a big honor for you to be selected. Um, I wanted to go through and see if you could each share your secrets to success, maybe just a few tips or pointers on how you've gotten to this point at such a young age, because it it really is impressive and and you should be proud of yourselves. And I kind of wanted to honor that and let you, you know, talk about what, how you got to where you are and what, what just a few, one little secret or a few secrets of how you've gotten to this point. I learned to batch my tasks. I use my calendar religiously. I have to stay productive um, or else I lose focus, I lose energy. And that's not good for people requesting things of me. So I make sure I break up my calendar in 30 minute increments. Um, But I believe everyone knows what it takes to be successful. 
you work hard, you put in the hours. There's no secret method, there's no formula. You make sure you show up, have a good work ethic and know how to communicate well with others. The easy thing to say is, you know, step out of your comfort zone and, and you know, face a new challenge. Uh, but that is much easier said than done. Uh, something that's helped me be successful is facing that challenge head on, um, getting into a role or position that may require quite a bit of startup work. Um, and in, in my current position, it's beyond, a lot of my tasks are beyond what I have done in the past, but it's been an opportunity to learn how to um, you know, work on the, you know, the business side, the business proper, uh, the business strategy designing designing a new logo and having to go through that process. Some of those opportunities out there may not have a completely clear path ahead of them, but that also gives you the opportunity to blaze your own trail. So that's where, you know, identifying those opportunities, getting the experience, building your portfolio of, of projects and you know, setting goals um, to achieve those are uh, those are the main things that I've done. Set a vision for yourself where you want to see yourself in a month, in a year, in five years, and 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 pursue that and figure out where you're falling short and figuring out where what's working well for you and adapt and grow. Learn when you can. Um, invest in your team because they will invest in you. That's for sure. And be a sponge. There's always something to learn, no matter someone's um, experience or level. Um, some of the best lessons I've gotten on constructability came from tradesmen and foremen um, because they know the ins and outs on how it's done. Some of the tactics for um, you know, communication and teamwork came from upper management. And so just be a sponge, be open, and um, apply the best lessons that you get to your daily life. I think uh, I was able to get where I'm at in my short amount of time just by uh, coming in to the field with my traits and skills that I was given when I was in the Marine Corps that I picked up and I carried with me in, into the trade. And just like Nick was saying, like, you got to be a sponge. You got to be willing to learn. All the older guys love to teach you all their tricks. They want to pass that knowledge down because they're close to retirement and they know that this is a growing field and it's a very in-demand job. So they, they just want to teach you everything. And then I think too, that you just got to show everyone every day that you just want to be a leader and they're going to task you with things that they might not give to someone else that just kind of goes with the flow and just does the minimum. You know, they, they want to give the more important things to people who show that they want to be here. I think for, for, for my uh, success and secrets, uh, I think more than anything is ask any question and all questions. I think that, uh, you know, coming, you know, in with no experience, you have to ask the questions, especially with electrical work. Things can be dangerous. And if you're not sure, you need to ask that question because if you don't, then, then you know, things can happen. And it's also a learning lesson too. You know, you learn it once, learn it twice. Then you can bring that on to, you know, other, you know, people and pass it down as you, as you grow and develop. I also, you know, I think, you know, Caitlin can probably attest to this, but I'm out in the field all the time. And me as, as, uh, an officer, a commissioning engineer, like I'm asking the field guys all the questions. Like I'm learning from them more than they're probably learning from me. Uh, and I think that's important because 
I'm really here to support the field guys and, and support their efforts to get the project done. Um, and, and without me understanding what they're doing, it probably, uh, you know, can hinder that communication aspect as well. So asking questions. Um, I remember when I first started out, I was Googling things literally because I had no clue. I would write it down on the side of my piece of paper, you know, acronyms and abbreviations and words that just made zero sense and i would go out there and ask or i'd google them or whatever but there is no dumb question because if your company is invested in you and you're investing your time and effort into there to learn they're willing to you know give back and learn teach you and 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 push you and and you know promote your growth and i think that's why we're all together here now is because we've all gone and uh, you know exceeded and excelled above what we've been asked to do, I think for the most part. And, and that's why we, we, you know, we're top 30 under 30. So, you know, you know, you don't get this recognition by just, you know, sitting in the slow lane um, and, and coasting through the motions. So I think it's important just to put yourself out there and also be vulnerable. It's okay to make mistakes and own up to it and, and, and tell someone that you're learning and it's something that you've done for the first time, or maybe you just kind of slipped. But being vulnerable is important, especially in this industry, because there's a lot of people with a lot of knowledge and, and years and years of experience that they're probably still learning, too. So, you know, as, as I'm always been taught to myself, the minute you the day you stop learning is the day you should walk away from that job, because that's when you start getting complacent and and those things can happen. And, and, you know, you're not adding that value that you should be. I think those are some great points to end on, actually. You guys have all been just absolutely fantastic. I completely see why you were uh, nominated by your supervisors for this. You're all so impressive and had such great input and so much um, insight on the electrical industry. I really appreciate this. So looks like we're about out of time here. I think we could go on for many more hours, uh, but with all the good stuff you all have to say. So I wanted to thank you all so much. Uh, to all our all-stars for sharing their secrets to success with us today. And in closing, I'd also like to thank associate editor Ellie Coggins for editing and putting these podcasts together, making this valuable information available to all of our readers. For more information, visit our website at ecmweb.com. This podcast is produced by ECNM Magazine, part of the portfolio of Endeavor Business Media Publications. I think that's it for now. I'm Ellen Parson signing off of ECNM On Air. Please let me know if you have any podcast topics you'd like to listen to in the future. And don't forget to check out the members only portal on our website for more podcasts and other content resources for electrical construction professionals. Thanks so much and have a great day.